The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Hello there. And Father Andrew Kinstetter. Hi, Father Andrew. Hello there. Uh, So, uh, folks, before we get into things, I do want to start by mentioning our sponsor this week, which is uh, Faith Life Careers. As a listener to Secrets of Tech, you, you, you might be a developer or someone who knows a developer, someone, a programmer is the, uh, the word that us lay people often use, uh, looking for a new job, a new opportunity in a company that does some uh, work that matters in the grand scheme of things. And Faith Life is a company that makes Logos Bible software, Verbum Catholic Scripture Study software, uh, which both have gone to nine. I can't wait till they go to 11. That's, all, isn't, that's the old Spinal Tap thing. But uh, they've recently upgraded to uh, to uh, version nine, which looks really cool. And they also make the integrated ministry platform, which is software for churches. And they're hiring full stack developers. And uh, most of these positions are available for, to be worked remotely. And they offer, as they say, competitive salary and benefits. And uh, it's a company where, as uh, we've mentioned a few times in the recent weeks, the average tenure for the employees is five years, which is a long time in the de- software developer game these days. I know a few developers and yeah, it's, they do move around a lot, uh, but uh, people stay with, uh, with faith life for, for a reason. And I think part of it is their values, honesty, openness, awesomeness, as they like to say. So to check out their open positions, go to faithlife.com slash careers and tell them that you heard about it on the secrets of technology. Okay, so Apple has had yet another one of its events. It's uh, had its third thing, as as you might say, uh, this uh, fall or this, yeah, this fall, because we're still in fall. Uh, Apple had an event in September uh, that gave us iPads and a new watch or a couple new watches. In October, we had an event where we had uh, new iPhones, of course. And then we just had this new event, which they called Apple's One More Thing, which was a nice tribute to Steve Jobs. And it's they're rolling out their new Silicon, uh, Apple Silicon Max. And what does that mean? So they have their new CPUs. They're, they're transitioning over the next couple of years from uh, the Intel CPU, which they've been using for a long time, I think 20 years now, I think it's been uh, almost or 15 years at least, uh, they're transitioning to their new in-house CPUs based on the ARM architecture. Uh, and we won't get into the technical details too much, except because we want to just talk about what does this mean for people like you and me? People just need computers to use. And what do these new computers do for us? Are these computers we might want to buy if we're in the mar- market for Macs? So let's let's kind of get into that. Uh, the first they started by talking about how the Mac is in their DNA, and one of the interesting things of that of, of them reassuring us of this is a lot of people are concerned that with the rise of the iPhone and the iPad, that Apple is is moving toward a touchscreen future where it's all going to be we're going to be expected to do all our work on iPhones and iPads in the walled gardens where you can only install software that comes off the App Store. Do, do, a, do you think that's something we need to be concerned about, at least in the short term? And B, what what do you think of that that future potentially? I disagree. I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I've drank the Kool Aid, so I'm <laughs> you know I'm I'm definitely a, an Apple fanboy, but. I think that there are, I mean, uh, for example, even in the, in the parish office, we're using Microsoft teams and we're on windows based machines. And, and I think I don't, I don't see especially the Microsoft word, PowerPoint, Excel, um, uh, publisher, all of those sorts of things. In fact, publisher, I can't use on my Mac, which is quite disappointing. Mm, Yes. Um, so, so like I, I, I suspect that there will be the competition around. Uh, and, and in fact, I think we need the competition to keep driving new innovations and everything. So I mm-hmm. don't think we're going to see the end of Microsoft. I don't think we're going to see the end of, of the Android OS and that I don't think Apple is going to quite take over in no. the 
Skynet sort of. Yeah. Well, do you think? But do you think the Mac is going to go away and and be replaced oh. by iOS devices or some some combination? No, no, some, no. Yeah. Again, no, because it's just it's uh, anything that needs substantial amount of work power. Yeah. I am not going to do on my phone. Right. I am not going to do on an iPad. Yeah. I, I need the bigger screen. I need the keyboard. I need the full mouse. I need. Right. Uh, I just need, <laughs> yeah, I need I need more than what the phone and a tablet could provide, although I think I can do a lot with my phone, but it is way less convenient, especially for right. for bigger work related projects or or even um, uh, photo video editing projects. Yeah, for me, it's especially uh, with a with a tablet, you don't have a tablet or a phone, you don't have that ability to have five or six things going at one time that you can quickly, you know, pick something from here and pull it there. Yep. So big projects that you need lots of information coming in while you're creating a document or creating a product, that's not where the mobile devices are. Yeah. You need their, their separate purposes. I, I agree. You, you, there, I know people that they, they are, dedicated to using their iPad like uh you know their primary workstation and they're most people who spend their days writing words and but even then like when I've tried to use my iPad or my phone for serious work and I can get by but it's a hundred times harder it just takes yeah. longer it's not as easy and it's not just because I've got 50 years invested in how to use a mouse and a, and a keyboard not quite 50 but you know what I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> I got a long time in it but I'm not that old but you know it's uh it, it it it's i think it's there are certain ways of doing certain kinds of work and yes yeah, someday maybe when my kids are my age maybe there'll be a different kind of interface and different kinds of screens and computing will look completely different that's i, I undoubtedly i just don't think this is something i'm going to need to worry about in the near to medium term uh let's put it that way yeah i just I think mobile versus uh, a workstation of some sort, even if the display is in the air with like Tom Cruise and Minority Report, I think you still have to have a separation between what things can be done one way versus the other. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I and I think and and we're gonna we're gonna get to this, but I think uh, that doesn't mean that they aren't gonna look similar. Uh, Big Sewer right. looks more similar to iOS, even though it is still a fully desktop OS. So I, I think there'll be maybe some some bridging between the two. Uh, in fact, there already is with handoff and with with all sorts of other you can copy and paste from your phone to your desktop. And I mean, there's there's kind of that workflow between the two. But I don't I don't see them replacing one another either way. So uh, let's talk about uh, the the what they the announcements they made. They announced the chip that they're going to be using. Uh, the M1 chip, they call it. It's essentially wh what I've been hearing is it's essentially the same chip that's in the iPad Pro, the, the the current generation of iPad Pro, with some modifications, of course, for a desktop. But it's got that power. Um, it's and it's a, it's not just a CPU; it's a system on a chip. So all it's got everything in one chip, which makes it more efficient and faster. And that's those are the all the the big words that kept wanting uses. Uh, it's it's a it's low power and it's efficient, and and th that's important. Before the things that we've the, that they announced today that we saw uh, in in this announcement. So um, there's all kinds of all kinds of technical stuff that they talked about, but I don't want to get too much into it unless there's something that, that jumps out at you guys. But um, it, 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 let's just, let's say it's, it's a really impressive chip and it's really been proven in the iPads and the iPhones so far. It's essentially the, this, the same with some modifications. They also showed us a uh, big Sur, which we saw earlier this year at WWDC. Mm -hmm. um, we saw a lot of the similar things. They talked a lot about, You'll be able to run universal apps, which is one app that can run, you know, it's one download and it will run on either Intel or the Silicon uh, computers. So if you've got multiple computers and, and you get one that's Intel and one, doesn't matter. You, you only need to download once um, and they'll have emulation so you can run uh, apps that aren't universal, like your older apps that aren't updated will still run even then. Uh, and in fact, they said some apps will run faster on the silicon in mm -hmm. emulation than natively and uh, all pretty much i don't know if they they promised all but pretty much most iphone and ipad apps will run just download straight to the the uh the uh, 
computer without much modification. Um, in fact, it would be great if they did, if the developers did do, do some modification because it's not going to be a touchscreen. It's you're going to have to work with a trackpad and a keyboard. But nevertheless, uh, it's it, it, that's that's a kind of exciting that you can now have one app that runs everywhere. I don't have to buy it multiple times. If if I'm mm-hmm. happy with the the iOS or iPad OS app, uh, I can run it on my Mac. So that yeah, I think they hedged it a little bit, saying that your favorite apps would run from the iPhone over on there, which made me think, but not not necessarily some of the less popular ones will get converted. Right. Not everything is going to work, uh, basically, in a in a keyboard and mouse interface. And that's, uh, I, you know, a lot of games, for instance, are not just not going to work mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But that is real exciting. I'm, I'm that that's cool. Yeah. So let's talk about the the computers themselves that they introduced. So they, they basically gave us two MacBooks, two laptops and one desktop. So the first one they showed us was the MacBook Air. And they told us it's going to be, there's lots of uh, talk about it's this many times faster and this many hours of this. There's not a lot of specifics. One thing I noticed that they never gave us was megahertz or gigahertz or anything like that, uh, which is interesting that they want, that they're trying to get away from the gigahertz wars where we compare everything based on, you know, oh, this one is six gigahertz versus five gigahertz even though that's not really a metric you can compare against two different CPUs and that sort of stuff. Uh, they're really, they really want to appear apparently get away from that. Uh, but they told us that it's three and a half times faster than the previous Intel based air. The SSDs are faster. Uh, there's no fan in it, which is interesting, which makes it silent and lighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means that it's running a lot cooler uh, and they promised uh, that we could get up to 15 hours of wireless web browsing, which I think is not a bad metric because it means it's like, OK, you're web browsing, which means you're hitting the Wi-Fi. So you, that's that's going to be a power draw running those those radios and stuff. Um, so 15 hours, that's like twice what what you can get now. Mm-hmm. That's all and the one and a half times what the iPad was, which was the, the best of the one so far. You know, right, right. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's that's all day, right? I mean, you wake up in the morning and, you know, yep. if you're going to sleep, you're going to sleep eight hours. <laughs> that's pretty much your whole day there. You know, that's uh, so <laughs> that's impressive. Um, they did talk about they did talk about improving the webcam on both laptops and lots of talk about, you know, the in, uh, image processing and stuff. But they're still shipping a 720p camera <laughs> in it, which is pretty low quality. Surprisingly, I don't understand why they're still. Shipping a low quality webcam in 2020. I just I don't get that. Um, it has Touch ID, no Touch Bar, 13 inch display, and they kept the base price at 9.99. So what do you think of the MacBook Air? Just uh, it, it, on its own there, and it's got two uh, two USB C uh, Thunderbolt ports. Well, uh, that sounds like a really good machine to me, especially for keeping the price the same, and that they've added one port from what the, the original MacBook had so that you've got two ports, not just one to try to connect everything right. through. So it sounds like an awfully good machine for somebody who's, uh, I won't say a, a heavy processor, but a, a moderate mm-hmm. processing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about you, Father? What do you think of the Air at, uh, on its own? Yeah, I would I would agree. I, and I they, they did spend a bit of time even just talking about... Um, uh, the amount of video conferencing that you could do. So they were, yep. you know, making sure that that was a, I mean, they upgraded the camera, but it's still, like you said, in 720p, but they, they recognize that this machine could be used very, very clearly for, for zoom calls and those sorts right. of things. So I, um, yeah, I think it's a beautiful machine. I, I'm <laughs> not personally going to go get one, but, um, yeah, it, it's it, tempting. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I liked the, uh, they, at one point they showed just, um, how quickly, and maybe that was part of big, no, I think it was part of the MacBook Air, but they showed how quickly it, oh, yeah. it woke from sleep. Yes. Which was darn near instantaneous, it's, which was yeah. like, I've got a, 
I've got a Windows 95 machine downstairs that like takes five minutes to boot. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. oh, oh, that's a fast one. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I've, yeah, had, yeah. I've got 15 minute boots on some of my clients. <laughs> yeah. You know, wake it up so, and then go make a cup of coffee and read the, the day's right. paper. Yeah. It, it, it right. was, it's, they said it was, um, uh, basically like iPhone, iPad fast, like just as fast as mm-hmm. it is to wake up your, your pad uh, or your phone. That's pretty good. I like that. I like that. idea. It's interesting. It has no yep. touch bar. Um, there, there, that's one of the differentiators. Uh, do you, do you guys, do you guys use the touch bar? I, I have a MacBook pro with a touch bar and uh, I use it for the escape button and the volume buttons, but I would use them as button buttons. It only too, became so. useful when I started, I, I started using it, uh, an app called better touch tool, which is part of the setup subscription. So you have set up and they, they, there's a third party, uh, mod that, that you can get called, uh, golden chaos and what that does is it it makes the touch bar useful it throws all kinds of interesting uh, data con- contextual information up there uh when there's a upcoming meeting it shows up in the in the uh, touch bar and uh when you're in different apps or doing different things it throws up different controls so it's it is it's useful and I, it could be more useful if they did more with mm-hmm. it like this one developer figured out how to do so um Okay. It would not be it would not be the defining reason for me to to no. to get a the, one of the laptops. Uh, the the lack of it in the MacBook Air is not a uh, a negative from my point of view. Certainly, Touch ID though, mm-hmm. I love Touch ID. Yes. Uh, I, it yep. just the difference between doing a Touch ID on the laptop and and having to even with the Apple Watch Wake I have on the on the uh, on the on the iMac is not as fast as touch ID. You know, it's just, it's so mm-hmm. much better. Uh, face ID would be even better, but that's, I don't know how long it is before we get that. And they, they made a point to to mention that because that, that works with Apple pay. So it's, yes. it, it connects that too. You can use your touch ID for that, which is, which is really good. Right. The watch Apple pay through the watch works, but it can be slow and a little mm-hmm. weird sometimes. Like sometimes it'll like, it'll, it'll take forever. It's like on the screen, on the web browser, and I'm like waiting, waiting, waiting for it to show up on my watch, and then it was something will go wrong, and then I'll have to initiate it yep. again. Uh, having it right there on the computer itself would be better. Yeah. Yep. I like that. So, uh, so then, as I mentioned, they also had a MacBook Pro, same size, 13 inch display. Uh, this is 2.8 times faster than the previous MacBook Pro. Uh, the battery life. This one they said 17 hours compared to 15. Uh, 20 hours of video playback versus 18. If you're watching 20 hours of video, you need to do something else. Get out of the house. <laughs> Find something else to do. Don't do that. Uh, they made a point of mentioning the uh, the built-in mics. Uh, it's a three-mic array, studio quality. Again, for if you're doing zoom, a lot of Zoom or FaceTiming, that, that's that's big. Um, this one... Podcasting. Podca- well, <laughs> you know, if you're podcasting with me, I want you to get a better mic. I'll get you a better mic. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Although if the mics are good enough, maybe we, maybe we don't need to get better mics. Uh this one also has two USB-C Thunderbolt 4 ports. Uh, with It has a Touch ID and a Touch Bar. This one also maintains the original starting price of $1299, or not the original, but the the uh, starting price of the Intel. Uh, so this is a, an interesting question. Like, So we've got these two laptops. Both have two USB 4 Thunderbolt 4 ports. They both have Wi-Fi 6, by the way, which is new to, to Macs. That was only available in the iPhones before, and I think in the iPads too. Uh, so that's new. That's an improvement to Wi-Fi. Uh, they both have the M1 processor, of course. Uh, the Air doesn't have a fan. The MacBook Pro does. That looks like to me, now you guys can tell me whether I'm off base or not. That looks like to me like we've decided that in the Pro, we want to push the the CPU more, which will make it hotter. So we're going to push it harder, make it hotter, and get more out of it. And that's a differentiator. What do you think? Am I on track on that? Do you think that sounds that's, reasonable? Yeah, that's a logical explanation on why there would be a fan and and not in the air. Okay, they expect you to do heavier work, have more things open, be doing more more powerful things than yeah. than the consumer who's using if, the air. Yeah, if, you, if you're sort of stuff. looking at the the MacBook Air as kind of your your generic consumer who's just watching videos and surfing the web and ver- and the MacBook Pro is someone who's maybe doing some heavy duty video editing video, or sound you know yep. though yeah those kind of things that just use more processing power mm-hmm. um and that that would differentiate even the the types of people that those two laptops are aimed at 
Right, right. And that's the thing. The other thing that is the difference is the battery is the amount of battery life battery in the in the different computers. So what do you think? I mean, when if someone comes to you and says, I'm looking to buy a new Mac, what do they get? Should they get one of the Silicon Macs? Should they go for an Intel Mac? If they get a Silicon Mac, and we'll talk about the desktop one in a second, but say they want a laptop, what what would your advice be to someone? Uh, should they go now? Should they order now? Do they need to wait till there's reviews? What do you think? What would be your advice? I think if they're running a business off of it, I would I would suggest that they wait. If there's a consumer that they've already got a Mac laptop and they're wanting to get a new one, they'll have some fallback for that. So that I would say sure on that. If their machine broke and they have to get a brand new machine and they've got to depend upon it, then I might suggest they wait. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but you know, and go ahead and get an Intel one. Okay, but it's you know, Apple does a quality job, but most companies, mm-hmm. when it's the first generation of something, I tell people no, let yeah. somebody else have the arrows in the back. <laughs> yeah. But with Apple, it's like, oh gosh, this sounds so good. <laughs> it really, it, you know, if, it, if if I got stuck in that situation, I'd go the I'd go the new one, right? Future proofing. Mm-hmm. But if uh, yeah. if I have a my my uh, at home uh, senior citizens, I probably would say, well, for right now, why don't you go ahead and stick with the ones that you know we know what's what they're like. Right, right. What do you think, Father? I think if you, I think if you've got the adventurous spirit sort of person who is happy to jump into something new, knowing that it may not be perfect and it may have issues. Um, that's that's kind of where I fall in in mm-hmm. these. Uh, yeah, um, I would say go for it, um, you know, especially because at least with Apple's, you know, if something were to go wrong, usually you've already got high cloud and you've already got everything saved anyway. If you're keeping um, good backups. I, yep. If yeah, which hopefully, you've got Apple hopefully, Care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I but I would agree with with Pat that if like if this is for something much more important than just, hey, this is this is kind of my new personal laptop. I, I maybe would hold off for them to, to work because there's going to be there. There will be issues. And yeah. that, that's just with any new product that that happens. I don't think that there's going to be many, but, yeah, uh, you know, I, I I would say go for it. I, I'm the adventurous <laughs> kind. So, yeah. For those business people, I would say maybe wait six months if you've already got a working machine. Right. Now, if you your one dies, then yep. that's good. We'll have to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're in the market now, if you need a new laptop, like you're like, OK, this one is just creaking along. I need something new. If I'd say if you're a college student or you're just getting some for home, I call Sure. Go for it. You're future proofing. This mm-hmm. is this. These computers will be I'd wait as long as you can, like a couple weeks till the reviews start coming in. I wouldn't re- order one today, but I'd, I'd certainly wait till the reviews start coming in. And people start talking about it. Um, if if you can wait three months and you start seeing the refurbs come into the refurb store, that might be a way to go. You get a little cheaper one and stuff that's kind of gone out, been fixed. If it's anybody glitches and now it's even better than it was, the it's been burned in a bit. Uh, that would be good. Um, but if you, and, and certainly if you need a computer that's not one of these three that that they really that they yeah, they're releasing now, if you want a bigger screen than a 13 inch MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air. You know, you're going to have to wait. You could, uh, you get it. You either wait or get an Intel, and the Intels are good. Mm-hmm. I have one. Yeah, of, I have a 2020 uh, one that I just bought in, in August, and I'm telling myself over and over again, "This is good. I don't need yeah. a new one." <laughs> uh, so, uh, it, it. I'm excited for the future because these do look like some pretty awesome machines. Uh, I'm a little leery about the fact that w- just the two ports, but. One of the things that the Thunderbolt 4, this is now the Thunderbolt 4 spec does, is it allows hubbing, which means mm-hmm. you can connect a, a, a specifically connect a hub to it uh, better. Th- you can get a hub now, certain kinds of hubs, but this is uh, more internal to it, uh, less expensive hubs, let's put it that way. And now you can hang a whole bunch of stuff off of it uh, without having to buy a $250, $300 uh, device. You get a less expensive hub. The other thing... That's interesting about these is they max out the RAM and all three of these new computers max at 16 gigs. The previous Intel ones went up to 64. So uh, that's an interesting limitation. Now, most people are fine with 16. I'd say the vast majority of people, unless you're doing some specific video or sound or that sort of stuff. So 
It's interesting, though, that may be a, a relic of the the fact that these CPUs are coming out of the iPad Pros, which have less RAM. So the memory controllers are not built to address as much RAM. They're going to have to eventually ramp that up. to a, If they're going to put this in a Mac Pro or, or an iMac Pro or even an iMac regular, they're going to need to 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 ramp that up more to more RAM uh, at some point. I bet you in six months there'll be an announcement of, hey, now we have one with 32 or 64. Right. You know, I bet you. And when they have the 16, perhaps when they get the 16-inch MacBook Pro, you know, uh, upgraded, that's when they'll right. do it. Yeah. That's probably where it'll go. Yeah. So, and then there was the third computer, which actually, to be, to be honest, this is the one that's most exciting to me for the moment. And I need to rein my excitement in. The Mac Mini. So this one is, it's got the same M1 chip. They say it's three times faster than the most recent generation Mini. 15 times the machine language performance, so the neural AI sort of stuff. Um, It also has the two USB-C Thunderbolt 4 ports. Uh, It has a HDMI port on it. And it starts at $699, which is $100 less than the current base model. Uh, I probably would go for the next the the next one up, which is a thousand dollars, like ten nine ten ninety nine, which has a, a bigger you know a bigger SSD and and that sort of thing, uh, and more RAM. But I wonder how this compares in performance to the current iMac, uh, because the way they're talking about the performance in the in this M1 chip is is would this outperform the iMac for that for that dollar, you know that that amount of money. Of course, you still have to add a screen, and you have to add, you know, keyboard and mouse. But yeah, you know that that that's an additional expense. But, but. you could add a, you know, a, a decent uh, monitor. Oh, that's true. But it's but the monitor is, and the you thing. can get a monitor for for not a, not a lot of money, and you get a lot of computer here. What do you guys think of this? Well, I've liked the mini. Uh, it's just that it's always been underpowered. And uh, but my my brother has one of the older minis and he saw this come out and he says, I'm going for it as soon as I can order it, you know, <laughs> because uh, I think I saw something on on the presentation that says that this was faster than I don't know what percentage of current desktops out there. Like 98 percent of of yeah, or 95 percent yeah. of Windows, uh, other lap, um, uh, desktops. And I'm thinking, wow, yes. PC laptops for sale in in 2020, or I think is what they said. Yeah, that is wow. very impressive. I have, and it doesn't take up much space either. Yes, well, that's a big thing. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and I've got a I've got a 2017 iMac, it, which is nice. It's starting to feel a little slow when I'm editing some uh, some podcasts, uh, and within the next year or so, it would be nice to be able to upgrade it so I can edit faster and have more shows come out. That's that's all it's all about, folks. I, I'm trying to provide you with more shows. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking at this Mac Mini. I'm going, if this thing is faster than my Mac, I, I mean, this the Mac is is a wonderful machine with a beautiful screen, but it's expensive. And this for a thousand bucks, wow. That would be like thousand bucks for the at the 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 the, the max yeah, yeah. At, the, at the what version I would want to get. Uh, that's mm-hmm. impressive. I I uh, that to me is almost the most exciting thing they announced uh, on the at the at the event. Yeah, I think I'm with you, Dom. I I uh, I've never been interested in a Mac Mini before. Yeah, uh, and this this definitely grabs my attention somewhat. I don't know if I'm willing to jump. I'd, I'd want to see, and somebody surely is going to do this at some point, but I'd love to see a side-by-side comparison of, of you know, the current IMAX and the, and the Mini. Right. Just in terms of of all of the, the speed and, and, and everything. Because um, I, I, like you, I have an IMAX, and, and for what I do, I wouldn't... I, I love it. It's, it's great, but I wouldn't want to downgrade from what I have. Right. Right. Uh, and but yeah, for that price point, I mean, <laughs> that's quite, <laughs> quite cheaper than my iMac. Yes. I can't believe they dropped the price a hundred dollars. Yeah, right. That's I mean, that's that's almost like a uh, what what are the, the store giveaway things? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Loss Here, leader. Come on in. It's a loss leader. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Loss leader. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm looking at so I'm on the Apple site and I just configured a 16 gig Mac mini with a with a 256 uh gigabyte ssd and the reason i would just what a lot of laptops do yeah, yeah. well i'm looking at it because what i do now is i'm already running my imac right. off an external ssd uh because of the because it had the fusion drive which was i think slowing things down uh and i'm 
I'm like, oh, I go, all I would have to do is just move that over to the new computer. That's eight ninety nine. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm like, oh man, that is that is within you know shooting range of things. I mean, it's not quite pocket change, but it's close, yeah, I mean, right? That's, that is a for a for a nonprofit organization. That is you know not a bad uh, price range for us. And I think a lot of people are going to look at that and go, yes, I agree. And it runs Big Sur, which means that it's going to run the iOS and all of those other things. Yep. So. Something to to keep in mind as you were pulling that those specs up, I pulled up the specs on my iMac, and I'm running eight gigabytes of RAM. So already the Mac Mini is it has double that. Um, but perhaps maybe the biggest difference between the two would be storage. So like my my iMac has a it has a two terabyte drive, right? Versus the Mac Mini, which you said two fifty six. Well, it starts at two fifty six. You can configure okay. it with two terabytes. That's that brings it up to sixteen ninety nine. Okay. Which is in that range. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, that's okay. That's with the 16 gigs of memory. So, so you it starts now. Does it only does it start at eight gigs of memory and 16 is an option, yes. or is it is it okay? It's so it's not starting at 16. It starts gigs. at eight. You add 200. It's add eight gigs. Another eight gigs for 200 yeah. bucks. Uh, the the uh, but actually, I would never put two terabytes of storage inside. I would do what I'm doing now, which is get the uh, the Samsung T7 SSD that's the mm-hmm. external and plug it into the back off of a hub. And that you know, even doing buying those separately is less expensive <laughs> than because yep. that's because it's eight hundred dollars to upgrade to the two terabyte internal. You can yeah. do that other thing for well, you save three four hundred dollars just right there. Uh, so uh, it's a it. I like this idea. Idea. I mean, I'm look. I'm looking at this. It's a nice. This is a nice setup for a lot of people. Let's put it that way. A lot of. I, I've. I've already heard from friends who are developers who 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 need good hardware to to run things. Who are saying, yeah, yeah. This is. I'm. I'm seriously looking at this. So this could be the Mac Minis coming out party. Frankly, this would be very interesting. <laughs> uh, so we talked about. Okay, if people are looking to buy a new Mac. Um, should they buy now? We said, you know, it depends. Um, what if the Mac that someone wants, like I want an iMac uh, or I want a MacBook Pro 16 or uh, never mind Mac. If you are looking for a Mac Pro, you're in a whole different ball game. So I'm not <laughs> going to address that. But like someone who's like they their computer has not yet been updated to silicon. What do you think? Should they should they compromise on what they're looking for? I, mean, I, I think we kind of little let the, the cat out of the bag with the our discussion on the Mac mini versus iMac. But what do you think? I mean, is it worth waiting? Um, one thing I would point out is a lot of develop the, the software developers for the software that I use on a daily basis have been saying things like Big Sur is a big change to the, to the operating system as almost as much as Catalina was. And unless you need to, you should wait three to six months mm-hmm. before upgrading to Big Sur. Especially if there's applications that aren't from Apple that you're depending on, yep. and you don't know whether they've gone through the, all the hoops possible. Right. And these new Macs will run Big Sur, so they're not going to run Catalina. So, are they going to ship with Big Sur? I wonder. I think they do. I think that's Mo- yeah. yeah. Most of the times they do that. I I didn't I didn't see what they said, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So so if somebody's going to, I we haven't heard of any incompatibilities with Big Sur and. The standard stuff. Yeah. Office but if somebody that, yeah. had some unusual software, then I, I would say that's a reason not to go to the the Big Sur and and or Silicon yeah. Max yet. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been I've been running Big Sur on my MacBook Pro. Right. And I haven't had any issues other than small little things. But I'm also running just the pretty standard yeah. apps and software. If you're running Office or in you know browsers mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff, you're mm-hmm. probably fine. Um, I I'm running six weeks to Sunday, uh, all kinds of weird stuff <laughs> on my Macs, and and it's not, I I didn't upgrade to Catalina till uh, this past spring, so you know I'm I'm really leery of upgrading. Cautious, yeah, I, sure. The audio stuff, especially, so that's but that's really specific to to mm-hmm. me. But uh, the audio stuff is you got to really be careful with that. Um, so I think that's I think that's the advice is. You know, if these are these are look like some great computers, I'd wait until the reviews are start coming in, see yeah. what they have to say. And if you're if you're if you need a computer that's not mission critical, if not the way the way that you make your living, <laughs> you're not going to be completely dependent on it to make a living. I say go for it. 
and it's because you're future proofing and that would be really cool mm-hmm. so it, it concur uh, yep. yes yep. yep okay uh so i just wanted to one last thing about this apple event i just wanted to kind of uh, look at is, is what, what didn't get announced uh like i said at uh the the iPad event, they talked about watches in addition to the iPads. At the iPhone event, they talked about HomePod Mini in addition to the phones. Uh, a lot of people thought we would hear about AirTags, which is this uh, new would be this new thing, a new device, a little gadget that you uh, from Apple that you would allow you to put the device on various things that, like like Tile, the Tile Mate system, and there's been some others like that out there um, that you attach it little disc somehow whether by sticky or a ring or whatever and then you use your use the find my system to find it um and because of the u1 the 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 u1 chip is that what it's called i think there's a chip in the in in newer phones and ipads that's directional so you could walk around your house and it would kind of uh direct you to where it is like like right now with a lot of these things it's it's it you know it, it'll play a sound and you have to kind of if you ha- hopefully you have good directional hearing and you can find it that way, but this one will will like say move forward three feet, you know, two feet. It's under, it's a foot down under the couch, you know, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I can see your couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, with lidar, apparently the all this That's lidar true. stuff, it might be actually yeah, be able yeah. to see the couch. So uh, that there was lots of talk about that being available this uh, this time, but it wasn't announced. So um, this was the last Apple event of the year. So unless they do it as a press release, which is unlikely, uh, we won't see anything till next year if they if it comes out at all. So still rumored. It'll come out with the uh, upgraded MacBook Pro. Well, that's the thing is we can look forward to is <laughs> they said it's going to be a two year rollout. And so those others, uh, the other right. ones. Well, and, and Apple is kind of famously known for not announcing things until they get it right. Tight lipped. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just trying to fine tune this to make it the best product they can. And yes. often they, they're kind of considered late to the party, but then they just make it work right. And exactly. And they well. blow everybody else away. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and when they don't, when they do pre-announce, they get smacked on the hand, like with the air power. Like, like, <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. That's yep. why we don't pre-announce yep. things. So, yep. yeah. All right. So that's good. Well, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. The fanboys, we're going to put our, our uh, fanboy hats and, <laughs> and uh foam fingers away and we're going to go back to talking about some other stuff before we do i do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology including tim c declan m adam r james d and steve s their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology in all the shows at starquest you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give all right, let's move to some headlines. Uh, we have we definitely have an Elon Musk uh, theme going here a little bit, uh, at least for a couple of our headlines. Our first one, this is interesting. I, I, I saw this headline, I thought, this is interesting. Elon Musk's SpaceX will make its own laws on Mars. Emperor Elon on Mars! <laughs> so... <clears throat> what kind of laws are we talking about? I know, this is what kind of scary uh, to think about. No, well... When you peel back the layers, what all this comes out of the the terms of service, which nobody reads, for the new Starlink system. Now, if you remember, Starlink is a new uh, satellite network being put up by SpaceX. It's a uh, low Earth orbit Internet provider system where thousands of these little satellites blanketing the Earth. And so you can get Internet service everywhere. Uh, from these satellites. It's the promise. Uh, the, we've talked about it before, um, whether it's actually going to work or not. That's that's a whole nother discussion. But people were reading the terms of service. I, I'm not sure why, but apparently somebody reads these things because I, I, I confess I don't. And they found this interesting little section where it said uh, the Starlink services provided to the Earth or moon. I mean, these guys are thinking ahead will be governed in mm-hmm. accordance with the laws of the state of California. Beyond our planet and the moon, uh, it says for services provided on Mars or in transit to Mars via Starship, that's their 
their new ship, or other colonization spacecraft, the parties recognize Mars as a free planet and that no Earth-based government has authority or sovereignty over Martian activities. Accordingly, disputes will be settled through self-governing principles established in good faith at the time of Martian settlement. Wow. So... That's like that's not that's not even like you you have to go to you know the court in Delaware to, to have arbitration. This is uh pretty interesting. What do you guys think of this? This is it's this. I mean, it's kind of amazing that they've 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 thought this far ahead. What do you think? And this isn't in a science fiction book. Yeah, well, it, I kind of like the fact that they're saying that a government on Earth cannot be the 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 ruler there. Yes. In other words, that this will be almost like an independent nation. I think mm-hmm. it might even just almost. I think that's that's what they're setting up for. Yeah. That Mars will be independent. So they'll probably have to come up with a constitution or whatever they want to call it. And you know, so I can see that because there's always this question about, hey, we explored, therefore it's ours. Right. I mean, there there will be there. That's sort of what's happened with the moon. Is all of the countries here on, on Earth, or the, all the spacefaring countries, have signed a space treaty, which you know talked about we will not. Uh, uh, um, militarized space and uh, governing how uh, the the uh, activities on the moon are governed sort of like what we do with antarctica antarctica is recognized as not belonging to any particular country but yet we the the treaty governs what happens there what laws concern it and that sort of thing and musk is put kind of sticking a stake in the ground and saying that's fine for the moon but mars is new territory this is all new and He's not exactly saying that the people who go there get to determine their self-government, but he's not exactly saying that SpaceX will determine it either. It's just sort yeah, of... Yeah, the headline was a little bit misleading that way. It yeah. almost sounded like, well, you know, even if you fly in there and, and put down, SpaceX is going to determine your laws. And that that's not what I'm hearing as you read that. Right. The, I think it's, I mean, w- you could read it as the people who live there get to determine how they're govern- how, how governed, which... Frankly, it is in a, self-governing. It's, yeah. it's accordance with that's, our Declaration yeah. of Independence. Yeah. You know, that's that's the idea. Um, for, apart whether they can or not, or stuff, it sort of makes the idea of Mar- Martian colonization more than just science fiction. It makes it more real, which is interesting, um, even more so than you know all the rhetoric by Elon Musk. It's funny when it shows up in a terms of service legal document in, in dry <laughs> boilerplate lawyer talk. If that makes that's what makes it feel more real, which is kind of funny. Uh, so yeah. um, cool. uh, I'm I'm not going, but maybe my grandkids or my kids will go someday. So that would be. I think they might need to ship a few priests out there, though. We will definitely. I was going to say, what does this do? This won't be the the uh, the diocese of Florida at this right, point. Right. Uh, they, governing, they have jurisdiction on the moon, but the, yeah, the bishop the, of Orlando is the is the bishop of the moon. Yeah, that's yeah, that's but, what I remembered. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Mars wow. is, is mission territory. Yeah, bishop Bishop Kinstetter will be the first missionary bishop <laughs> to oh, <laughs> to Mars. Uh, <laughs> that would be. Yes. Well, you already live in Wyoming, so that's practically Mars already. (laughs) (laughs) It's, well, uh, depends on the year. It's cold enough to be Mars, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, but that, that, I mean, that's not a topic for for this podcast, but it brings up all the issues of communication back to Earth and and all of that stuff, which I know that they would, they would use the the Starlink, uh, you know, satellites. I mean, that's all part of it um, eventually, but yeah. yeah. Wow. It's, there, there's all sorts of things that maybe we're just starting to think about because this is kind of the first step in that direction. Right. Right. I think one big step as for humankind. Yeah, <laughs> as we start heading out, we you, this is something the church is going to need to think about. In fact, I, I would love to have the, actually it is something that we could talk about uh, sometime on this show about what is what does mm-hmm. it look like when we've got people living off planet? Catholics living off planet, how do how does the church serve them? And what are the theological and canonical implications of that? Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not unprecedented. Frankly, back in the day when it took two months to travel across the Atlantic Ocean, that, that was yep. it's, not dissimilar. It's essentially the same reality. Yeah. Just instead of crossing yeah. the ocean, you're crossing the vastness of empty space. Right, right. Interesting. So, yeah, that's a topic for a future show because I, I definitely want to talk <laughs> about that. 
Well, let's move on to. Can we nominate Bishop Kinsler? <laughs> yeah, to do yeah, it. So <laughs> I put his name forward when oh. when they go to Mars. Send him to Mars. That's not. A bad, I, no, that's not. I don't want you to go to Mars. We couldn't do a podcast. But uh, the the, uh, the by then we're going to have instantaneous communication back and forth and transporters and yes, you yes, know. We'll, right. we'll use subspace so communication. It'll, it'll be it'll be perfect. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so our next headline also involves uh, an Elon Musk company, but this is interesting. Uh, people are jailbreaking used Teslas to get the features they expect. Now, the, the the point of this story is that uh, when you buy a used Tesla, when you buy a new Tesla, you can get upgrade upgrade packages, including like the whole autopilot thing. Everyone's all excited. That's a that's an optional upgrade. It costs $8,000, which is a lot. Uh, but Tesla says when you buy a used car, that, that package is sold to the original purchaser when the car is resold the license is is null. They turn that off, and what's happening is that people who are buying used Teslas are jailbreaking the cars to get the software back. And now there's a dispute over whether this is legal or not. And this is an interesting question because it's it'd be like in, in one sense it's like uh, Lexus saying, uh, "Oh, you bought a used Lexus? Oh, you don't get anti-lock brakes. You just get regular brakes. We're turning that feature mm-hmm. off." That seems weird but on the other hand it's software right what do you think i mean is is a tesla a car or a computer should software upgrades to cars be treated like purchase goods or licenses what do you think well with a pc if i is somebody you sells a used pc that software reverts back to the basic operating system yep. you don't you're not supposed to hand on software right. that you've paid for on a computer, but you don't have to go in and take out the memory card or the 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 extra graphics card you right. put in there. So it, what the hardware should stay the same. I can understand, you know, additional software packages could fall under the you license this software, and I could I could buy that, you know, to say, hmm. yeah, you don't get that software unless it's a safety feature like the anti-lock brakes. I think that's more hardware, but you know, right. if it's a navigation system or if it's a you know a self-driving feature that that would be optional the time you buy it i don't think you should they should you know uh, be jailbreaking that what do you think father i'm not entirely sure what to think um <laughs> i mean uh i i guess i i kind of go back and forth on on which side i would prefer to to be on but you'd think that there would be a way for for if you had a tesla and you were going to sell it that I, I don't know. It just seems to me like maybe they you could loop loop in your the the license for that software, and I you know, and then sell it knowing that you're selling the license for that software with it and transferring of ownership. Um, you know, but but this is also the whole issue of software service. That you know, yep. are you paying for the software and like, do you own it, own it, or are you paying for the rights to use it? And then, of course, like with Tesla, they're sending updates to it, and so you're you're getting those updates as part of your lease agreement or your rental agreement with it, where you don't actually own it. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not entirely sure where I fall on this because I guess I, I was thinking of just, um, <laughs> music yeah. and like using, um, Apple music. And I had, I had two soundtracks from a show that I like just disappear and couldn't find it. And I had like bought them on, on iTunes. So I had to go on eBay and find a couple CDs of, of the same soundtracks that I liked and had to had to purchase the, the physical copy. So I own them now. But, oh. um, you know, so so it, it's that whole issue of do you own the software or do you just kind right. of rent it? Right. Well, it's it's the same question in a sense when we went from buying DVDs and Blu-rays to buying right. the you know, if I buy a Streaming movie on service. Apple TV. Yeah, I'm. I'm mm-hmm. not actually buying that movie. They can take it away from me at any point under the license agreement because I'm only licensing it from them, not buying it. Whereas if I've bought a DVD, I own that. Whereas when I would, if I were to sell my used DVDs, I can sell those just fine. But if I'm selling my computer, the right. the the DVDs that I've purchased through iTunes do not transfer. Right. The movies that are on there right. are in right. your account. That you retain owner ownership of the license, you retain the license, right. but yeah, right. it's it's tricky, and this is a part of the problem, and I think it's a problem for Tesla because 
I think it lowers the value of this. If someone's paying an extra ten, eight to to twenty thousand dollars for these upgrades, that re- and they can't transfer that on, that reduces the resale value of this vehicle. And mm-hmm. part of the part of a point of a vehicle is is if when I want to get a new one, I got to sell this one. And, and it lowers the market value of the vehicle. And maybe that's bad for Tesla. I don't know. That's interesting. Um, maybe they should come up with something like, uh, if you've got a used one, you can relicense it for a reduced fee. That's mm. potentially... That would be reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although, yeah, yeah, of course... I mean, not 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 what the original fee was, but right, say yeah. some 10% or something like that. I mean, that, and I, I definitely... I wouldn't want to say, you know, um, that... I, I think Tesla needs to keep the ownership of that software because of the updates that are going to be continually coming out. I would not want to buy a Tesla. And even if, you know, right. even if I was inclined to jailbreak it, but then have faulty software that was going to auto drive my car. Right. I right. want, I want the updates from Tesla. So you I want mean, the, the, the valid one, not the, not the, right, the, right, uh, right, right. Um, right. You know, and so I guess we have to be, okay with recognizing that when I'm buying this license, I'm not owning the software. Right. That and it, I'm, I'm paying for the updates that are going to come in the future. Yes. And we have to be aware of that. We have to go in, we have to start being aware that because more and more things are being run by software and like this, this is, this has mm-hmm. only become more prevalent, not less. And we right. as consumers need to be on top of this, we need to be aware that what we're actually buying, are we, what do we get for the money we're laying out? And we're not necessarily getting everything we think we're getting, even if you never this go near the, a Tesla. Yeah. This is the problem with not reading the terms and service. <laughs> exactly. You might be governed by the laws on Mars when you're buying your <laughs> Tesla. <laughs> so, all right. And then our third headline is, uh, Pat, you mentioned, you, you uh, recommended this headline. This is uh, something about if if you've got an older Android phone, you might want to upgrade your browser, right? Or switch to a different browser. Right, because a lot of the older Androids, you can't, you know, they, they because of the software that's been added by the manufacturer and added by the uh, the um, the people you're getting internet service or cell service from, a lot of these can't be upgraded to the latest version. They are stuck at those old versions. And so if there are security fixes and stuff like that, you don't get them. Mm. And it could be a mach- uh, a phone that's three years old and it's got an old operating system and it, you know, you can use it for a phone, you can use the apps, but you can't get the latest security fixes. And this is a problem with Android. But it, it, that, that would be the Chrome browser that's built into it. Okay. So what they're saying is though you could go download Firefox and it's got all the security that Firefox puts into it, but your Chrome version is stuck you know, with the security that came on that operating system, like Safari is stuck to the version that ships or is maintained by Apple. Okay, it's the same the same comparison. Okay, yeah, it looks like um, so. It says that about one third of everyone using Android right now uh, are are using Android versions seven point one or earlier, and. Uh, starting in September of next year, they one third of everyone using Android right now, if they don't upgrade, might be unable to connect to any website that uses a security certificate from the company Let's Encrypt, which is a lot. Right. That's one third of the we- of all websites use uh, security certificates from them, which is you know, I know I do for several of my websites. So uh, that's that's that would be bad. So there's all kinds of technical reasons why that is. But as you said, yeah, Firefox does its own thing separate from what the operating system does. The, the problem is that right. this is done at the operating system level and they do it internally. So uh, if, you're, if you've got an older Android phone, you either want to upgrade before next September or uh, you're going to need to switch to Firefox. Excellent. All right. But that doesn't affect any of us here, right? Uh, or no, it doesn't affect well, you. Well, I've got a, I, no, I have bad. an Android that I carry around yeah. but and I use <laughs> half the time. But, yes. you know, I prefer my Apple. Yeah. Right. And yeah, by next September, I'll be on an iPhone 13, I think. So we'll see. We'll <laughs> <Yay>. see. <laughs> All right. That, I think that does it for our headlines. Let's move on to our picks of the week. Father Andrew, what is your pick this week? So my pick of the week is I am abandoning the Apple 
boat here and I'm heading <laughs> off to Microsoft. Oh no. Um, <laughs> save your eyes. <laughs> <dark side. laughs> uh so so this was a big week for uh for gamers in in the world. It was the release of both I think the PS5 releases tomorrow or mm-hmm. today if you're listening to the podcast when we release it. But um my pick is not the PS5 because I've never I had a PS1 way back in the day, but and a PS2, I think, as well. <laughs> um, anyways, that's not my pick. My pick is going to be the Xbox um, Series X, but also the Series S. They're kind of more or less equivalent, the newest Xbox console. And the name is confusing because it sounds like the Xbox One X. The I mean, the, the naming is yes. completely just bonkers but either way the 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 newest xbox is the xbox series x and the xbox series s um unfortunately there's quite a bit to invest in them the xbox series x is 500 dollars, and the s is 300 so it's it's a lot cheaper um but there's a lot of just um differences between the two um the new the x has a terabyte of solid state hard drive this the s has 512 gigabytes um you know the the x has 12 teraflops of processing power, which I had to go look up what that was because I (laughs) another random number that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. But suffice it to say, it's very, very fast, whereas the S is um, only four teraflops. Um, Things like the the S does not have a a CD drive, so you can't, you know, plug in Blu-rays or have a physical CD of your games, whereas the Xbox Series X has a disk drive. Um. So, um, I did manage to pre-order the X and got it installed today. So it's up and running and pretty cool. Um, and I, I pretty much use it. Me and my brother play Halo, uh, over Xbox live, uh, every other week. And that's kind of one of our ways that we keep in touch and, uh, you know, can, can kind of keep, keep those, uh, uh, you know, keep, keep the camaraderie between us as we're four and a half hours away from each other. But, um, definitely for for the gamers out there, I think, um, I would recommend the Xbox series X. I've loved the Xbox series, uh, since I got into it a number of years ago. Most important question. So, can you play star Wars squadrons on it? Yes, you can. All right. I'm sold. It is completely <laughs> backwards compatible. Uh, in fact, I probably have squadrons downloading and installing, um, later this evening. So <laughs> nice. I'm obsessed with, uh, the uh, the inability to play that game because I wa- I wanted to to fly X wings. Well, I was well, dying. Dom, I have a I have a an Xbox One that uh, I might be looking to sell. Oh, hey, hey, that might be your kids might appreciate it at some point yeah. too. But my wife would not, but no, but uh, she no. should be fine. She'd have to be fine with it. All right, that's uh, that sounds so. That sounds very interesting. We'll talk. Uh, okay, Pat, uh, what is your pick this week? Well, I had several people that were concerned about getting a messaging system that was encrypted and not have to pay a lot of money and because they were working with nonprofits my my brother is a is a, a lay chaplain for hospitals in Arizona and that's where it came up because you've got patient names of people who you're going to see and you may mm-hmm. need to mention their condition etc so uh he and I played around with a bunch of them and then uh one of my sons also needed a secure messaging system so we played with uh several and the one that kind of came up as the winner was signal yep. Signal is uh, free, which makes it really attractive, but it's also very easy to set up and use. The main limitation that it has is that uh, you can install it on one uh, uh, one phone, one of your physical devices. Yeah, you one of your phones, and up to five total ever PCs, right, or or Macs. So I don't know what happens if you if you're like I am and you're constantly having to move to another machine after you've had a problem with one or bought another one. So I don't know what happens at the end of my five. Maybe it's like Apple's uh, devices where you had to deregister all and then register them again. But that was the only worrisome thing I saw Mm -hmm. is that it was a maximum of five uh, desktop devices. Interesting, but it's real easy because it works on Mac, PC, Android, and uh, iOS. And I'm sure I could probably put on my iPad as well, yep. uh, because those, you know, there's not that that limit on that. Uh, well, the, I, you still may be a little bit limited to one phone. I've had a couple of products that you could only put it on one. Right. So uh, I have yes, I've installed Signal as well, and that's the thing is it's open source. The encryption is open source so that 
people can audit it. Average people can pay attention, make sure that it, there aren't holes in it, that they're not, there are no back doors. This is no malware. No malware. Yeah. So this is uh, used by people in places in the world where it's dangerous to communicate. And they're they're, right. they're really risking their lives on it. So uh, if you're just you know you need it for you know here in the U.S., you're probably <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's good. Telegram is one people talk about, but I've heard things about Telegram that they've that it may not be as secure against everyone uh, for various reasons. Uh, but uh, but I have signal myself, so uh, it I, I oh I can signal yes, you then yes uh, you can... <laughs> hey the signal keeps going <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of security my pick is also a free uh, actually a bunch of free apps if you go to the website it's uh, objective dash c s e e dot com this is the website of a brilliant uh, white hat hacker named uh, Patrick Wardle and he creates Mac security tools. He works for uh, Malwarebytes. He works for one of the big companies. But, oh, really? Yeah, but he's yeah. uh, he makes these uh, free security tools that uh, he makes that are available on his site. And they're they're kind of awesome. Like he there's a bunch of them and I, I don't use them all. I don't have a need for all of them, but I, I use a bunch of them. So I'll just name the ones I use. So one's called Lulu. It's a free open firewall for Macs. That uh, so it protects in and out and will alert you. Uh, hey, this software is trying to connect to this website. You know, do, do you want to allow it? So uh, there are other the Mac software that does this. Uh, I, little snitch, little snitch does yeah. it. This is less intrusive than little okay. snitch. Uh, it, 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 after a while with little snitch, I kind of got just fatigue and I would just Tired. automatically <laughs> press the button, which it kind of hold completely defeats the purpose, you know, if it, if it over thinks it mm -hmm. uh, does it to you. I use another piece of software called Knock Knock, which uh, it looks at what software is persistently installed on your Mac. It's a way of seeing what's malware. It's a little more technical. You kind of kind of know th what you're doing a little bit with that one, but it, it looks into the, the guts of your Mac and says, you know, this, this is what's in these places that are in not usual software places that are third party. Uh, I use another one called REI key or Ray, Ray key. That might be what it is. Um, it scans for key loggers, basically. A keylogger is software that records all your keystrokes, and, and they hope to pick up in, important information like passwords. Uh, there's another one called BlockBlock, Block, which um, uh, what was BlockBlocks? I forget the. Um, I'm trying to remember now. It says monitors persistent locations and alerts when a persistent component. Oh, so basically, it monitors for the installation of any um, any software that goes really deep into your system. When that's installed, it says, "Hey, this software is trying to install this 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 little bit of uh, component deep inside your system. Is this okay?" It protects against malware. If you if you're not installing software or you don't think you're installing software, and this pops up, you're like, uh, "That's when you go, what's doing that?" So, uh, th so th that's what that does. Um, and then another one I use is called ransomware, and this basically protects you against ransomware attacks. Uh, when it notices that software is encrypting files, it pops up and says, hey, this software is encrypting files. And it's very interesting. The the, the software that encrypts things that you wouldn't wouldn't realize that it act, that it would encrypt files like uh, Zoom encrypts certain files as it's uh, working. And Steam does, too. Uh, now, that's necessarily nefarious. There's perfectly valid reasons for software mm -hmm. to encrypt. But again, it tells you what's being encrypted, what's doing it, and do you want to allow it? And it will also tell you, is this a signed Apple developers, you know, a valid one? Uh, so um, and there are there's a whole bunch of others. I'm not going to go through all of them. Those are the ones I use. Um, there's, oh, there's another one, one more actually, which I'm going to start using, which I just noticed he added called oversight and it monitors your audio, your, your, your camera and your microphone to, to when they're being used in an undetected manner. Te Apple says that can't happen, but evidently Patrick Wardle is, is known as the, the guy who can crack any Mac in 10 minutes. And so <laughs> he says it can. Okay. And so he, here's a tool to protect you. I, I love that about him. He's he's really smart, really knows how to get get into Max and has decided to use his knowledge for good and create tools to help people against people like himself. 
I would love to see whether he's done anything in the Windows world. He probably doesn't. It sounds like he's concentrated on the Mac. Yeah. Some of those things would be really nice for my, you know, Windows clients for my troubleshooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are some pretty awesome uh, bits of software. So I'll have a link in the show notes. And he has a Patreon uh, where you can support him as well. Uh, He really he also publishes like uh, white papers on Mac malware and all this other stuff. So I mean, he's really a, a, a benefit to the Apple community, the Mac community. So uh, definitely, I I became a Patreon supporter for for him uh, because of that because the software is so great. All right. I think that should do it for us. Uh, so if we'd love to hear your feedback on our discussion on the on the new Apple Macs, on, uh, on any of our headlines or any of our picks of the week, you can give us feedback by going to sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or you can send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can find links from our discussion and picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. If you haven't yet done so, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should hit the bell to get notifications. Until next time, Father Andrew Kinstetter, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. You're absolutely welcome. Pat Scott, thank you as well. Glad to be here. Thank you. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>